day mm-hmm. it's fr- no, it has been <laughs> it has been it's friday night it's 11 mm-hmm. 30 at night when we're starting this so ooh, ooh. Whoop, whoop. this is the closest we get to having mad parties and raves at this time of our lives yeah true yeah. That. Mm-hmm. so it will it will be coming out very this podcast will be coming out very early saturday morning um but mm-hmm. it'll still be Friday American time. That's right. <laughs> so it's still being released on a Friday. So we're still, yep. We're still it's good. Friday, so we never actually specified what Friday. <laughs> so um, phraseology is clever. People. Oh, it has to be in our lives, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So we've had a mad day. Um, Stormy had some of her therapies, and Dirk mm-hmm. worked, and we lost. Because we are so good podcasters, man. So good. Mm-hmm. We're, We're the best. <laughs> the most professional. We lost the microphone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just taping this on my computer and it seems like it's doing okay. Sound quality is quite nice. We did uh, test beforehand. Yeah, hopefully it continues through the whole thing. And we're also decided tonight would be a great night to test a new recording on the video portion Mm-hmm. Of the of of the podcast because um I seem to be a glutton for punishment. You really do. <laughs> so yeah. And uh, we are feeling warmer than usual, not because of the fire, but because we have yeah. It's it, it's Friday night. It's Friday night, and Stormy's asleep. Mm-hmm. She's been asleep for a while. Dirk got home from work late, mm-hmm. and one of the beauties of Dirk working at a liquor shop is that when things break, he gets to bring them home. <laughs> so, it's free vodka, so that makes it taste even better. Just a wee... It, it's not, mm-hmm. it, honestly, it's not much. A um, wee bit of vodka. Enough to make a pea plater like me not be able to drive, mm-hmm. but that's all G. And it's all G. And um, the zero sugar cranberry and raspberry soda stream mm. mix in. Ain't too bad, That's either. our mixer, yeah. Because all the shops were shut. <laughs> That's when, right. When Dirk got out of work, all the shops were shut, including the servos and stuff, and it's just like, whoa, okay. What the hell? I know, right? Yeah. Anywho, people don't want to hear this shit. Streets are deserted. And, yeah. But we've had pizza for dinner, and we're drinking yes. vodka. We had pizza for dinner because we're starting a new budget tomorrow. Grand remix. Yes, and we're drinking out of Skull wine glasses mm-hmm. because we can. That's right, and because you are way back in the midst of time, descended from Vikings. Yeah, but also they just look cool. They do look cool. I got them. I got the set years ago, mm. and they just look cool. Um, Shall we to the hounds of murder? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you haven't peeped. I swear by the old gods and the new and science that I have not peeped. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do the Frankston murders. Frankston murders. Yeah, have you heard of the Frankston murders? Uh, vaguely in connection with the general milieu of Victorian crime leading into the um the two thousands crime wave under Carl Williams and the like. 
Yeah, well, this this didn't have nothing to do with underground. Yeah. This is just some noob. Noob, you say? <laughs> yeah, noob. You maybe noob. want to um, define that for our uh, listeners? It's a and geek term viewers? for a newbie. Nice. Yeah, okay. Short version. Yeah. Abbreviation. Nice. So basically, it's just a serial killer on his own. Mm-hmm. On her own. In Frankston. Frankston, Melbourne. Yeah. Victoria, Australia. Yeah. yeah. So the crime started in February 1993. Mm-hmm. And this has been linked this um, later on in the case, but I'll give you the, the background. Okay. Okay, so in February 1993, Donna Vane's unit in Claude Street was broken into. I don't know anything about these streets, but I'm sure the people that live there know about these streets. Mm-hmm. So they'll know what's going on. Franks has got a bit of a reputation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So there were prank calls, and after some, some those calls, she didn't want to be left alone, and mm-hmm. so her, her boyfriend came over, and yeah, and they left the house for about an hour at about one a.m. Yeah, and they came home, and her cat's throat was slit, and there was blood all over, and furniture was destroyed, and it said, "And Donnie, you're dead." Was written in blood oh, on the wall. Leave the animals out of it. I honestly. know, right? I don't want to be like you know the stereotypical um, British middle class in the in the fifties who who were of the mind that it's okay to slap a child, but you can't harm an animal. But honestly, animals they don't. Yeah, well, it's like when you watch a movie and you're okay with people being killed, but don't harm the damn dog. Mm. That that is the the discourse, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What do they do to to harm anybody in this? Right, it's just sitting there. Any of the parties. We have two cats, Mm. and I love them dearly. (laughs) Um. So the first. You do love them dearly. I do. My Krampus. Krampus is my black cat and Tortle is my tortoise shell cat. Yeah, and Krampus is coming out of his shell a bit more. And Krampus loves me and only me. And, and Tortle loves both. <laughs> and, and Dakota. But um, Tortle's very social. She's Stormy's best friend. Tortle loves Stormy. Yeah. Anyway, off the cats. Okay. Okay, so um, the first murder of this set mm-hmm. was Elizabeth Stevens. She was 18 and was last seen on the 12th of June. Mm-hmm. On her way to TAFE in Frankston. Yeah. The next day, I believe it was, she was found in Lloyd Park. Lloyd Park Reserve. I'm sorry, that vodka's giving me a little bit of the hickey ups. Do you need some water? No, I'm sorry. Do you need a fry? No, I'm sorry. Okay. I need more vodka. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, she was found in Lloyd Park Reserve, strangled, stabbed. Um, her throat was slashed and a crisscross pattern was carved into her chest. And one branch was laid over her. One branch. One branch. One branch. Um, so the next crime, because it wasn't a murder, but the next crime mm. um, was Rosa Toth on mm-hmm. the 18th of July, so less than a month, or about a month later. Yeah. Um, she was um, getting off at Seaforth train station mm-hmm. about 6 p.m. So, like, in July, it's winter here, so it'll be dark, cold, miserable. Yep. Probably raining in Melbourne. Probably. Not making assumptions, but it rains a lot there. Um, and she was walking past Seaforth North Reserve, and she was um, attacked by a guy who was standing near the toilet block, because that's sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she was dragged into the park, and a fake gun was placed at her head. So she pretended to submit, broke free somehow, and ran to the road. 
stopped a car. The car, the driver took her for help. And she had, she was in shock and shaken and stuff. Yeah. And had light injuries. I don't know what light injuries are, but they were light. Maybe they just weren't dark. What? She, maybe there were punches. I'm a little punches. tired. And getting to be a little tipsy too, darling, maybe? Maybe it's Um, But I ain't no lightweight. Um, no, you're not. But no, I, I suggest they were just like abrasions, small cuts, that kind of there thing. There weren't too many, too many deep lacerations or punctures. Or, or punches. Yeah. Like, or bruises or anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the reason why Rosa Toth is so important is because later that night, Deborah Freem was abducted in her car at the local corner shop at Cannanook train station seafood. Mm-hmm. So Deborah had a friend over for dinner, mm-hmm. realized that they were out of milk. And so she left her 12 year old, 12 day old son. So this little, little baby with this friend while she ducked to the shops. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Um, the friend called the boyfriend after an hour um, he also called the police and the hospitals in case there was an accident. Um, the friend and boyfriend drove around and then reported her missing. They put things on the, on the news. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Because, Rose like, she showed, she, no, she showed no symptoms of postnatal depression, no arguments with her boyfriend. There was no reason for her to leave. Yeah. Right? She loved right. her child. Yeah. The child was only 12 days old, so rough time. Like, getting used to no sleep, but still there was no unusual signs that she would just up and leave. Yeah. Um, so, on the 12th of July, four days later, her body was found by a farmer in a bush on his property line. So, like Stevens, she was strangled, slashed, and her throat was cut. And she was only had, like, one branch over her. It was like... That's she the calling card. She wasn't well concealed. No. The same as Steve, um, Elizabeth Stevens. That's probably a deliberate theatrical sense of arranging them for uh, the scene. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Just we'll throwing just it out see. there as a theory. Yeah, we'll see. That's so sad. I know, right? Yeah. How would that, that little boy be? Only 12 days old. I know, right? At least... He, he will know that, like, his mother didn't abandon him or anything. Like, they have that closure. Okay, that's good. Because there was a um, case on Forensic Files where the father killed the mother and told the kids that she ran off. Yeah. And abandoned them. So, that's just rude. That's just, yeah. That's a dick move. I know, right? So, 30th of July, so, like, two weeks later, mm. Natalie Russell, 17 is walking from John Paul College down her usual shortcut mm-hmm. to Frankston North. This is despite warnings, though. Right. Like, she's not the only kid doing it, but they're using this shortcut despite warnings that, like, you should travel together, that kind of thing, yep. right? That there's a an idiot out on the loose killing people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, the shortcut was a fenced walkway in between two golf courses. So... We've got a golf course here, golf course here, fence walkway down the middle. Okay. Okay. Um, it's now called Nat's Track. Yeah. After Natalie Russell. Um, so, 8pm comes around. Last bus has gone past her parents' house. They know something's up. And so, they um, call the police, report her missing. 
Um, the police searched her usual haunts and found her body. Um, she had been dragged through a hole in the wire fence. It was like chicken wire. You know, well, not chicken yeah. wire. You know that fencing wire? Yeah. Um, so she'd been dragged through a hole mm-hmm. through that fence and into the, the bush. Yeah. I've seen that sort of wire around the perimeter yeah. golf courses before. Um, she was killed in a similar manner to Stevens and Freeham, but had put up a significant fight. Like, I'm sure Elizabeth and Deborah put up fights, like, yeah. but apparently Natalie kicked ass. Yeah. Like, she if, if she wasn't overpowered, like, I reckon she would have gotten away. But... Unfortunately, she didn't, but she did put up a hell of a fight. Well, I hope um, that she hmm? gave out some significant uh, damage and punishment to that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, she because she put up such a significant fight, she was able to provide DNA evidence for the first time. Yeah. Um. So, the police had been involved... From the break-ins. Mm-hmm. Like, from the break-in in Donna Fane's place. Yeah. They've been involved, and they've been involved in all through this. Mm-hmm. Um, they put Stephen, uh, they put um, Elizabeth Stevens' outfit on a mannequin and had it in public view to try and jog memories and, mm. and all sorts of things, like had... As I said, Deborah's boyfriend was on... was um, interviewed and, and put on TV and... All this other stuff. There was yeah. massive searches for both, like, um, for definitely Deborah because there was that. That was four days before she was found, whereas the others were found like the next day. Yeah. Um. So there was a massive search put on for Deborah. Um. There were no witnesses for Elizabeth. Unfortunately, no one remembered seeing her after she she got on. Um. She left. Um. The TAFE and stuff like that. Mm. But um, witnesses for for Deborah had seen her car, uh, yeah. a grey Nissan Pulsar. They'd seen her car driving weirdly and flashing its headlights and stuff. Okay, that would definitely attract attention. Yeah, and then they found the car, and when they found the car, they located um, Deborah's blood inside. The groceries were um, supposedly inside, and the driver's seat was pushed back. But people saw a man come and get the groceries out of the vehicle and then leave. Okay. So there was significantly more witnesses for the for Deborah's case. And there was also a new dent in the front. Like, you can tell forensically that metal had just been exposed, there was no oxidation, that kind of thing. It was a new yeah. dent. Right? And so after the Toth attack, so after Rose's attack coming out from the train station, the one that survived one before Deborah, a profile of the attacker was made. And um, so the profile was a male, unemployed or in a, me- a menial job, mm-hmm. um, a local resident, yeah. 18 to 24. Oh, excuse me. Pickles. Pickles. Um, average look, live, looking and lives alone. Okay. The afternoon of the Russell attack, they had, um, the cops got a break. Major, major break. Posty, right? Right. Chick Posty, running around down Frankston, Mm -hmm. comes across this weird-looking car, right? It's rusty, yellow, 
bad car, color for a car. I hate yellow cars, by the way. They cause all my accidents. So, hate yellow cars. Um, and it was a Toyota Corona. And it had no number plate, so it was automatically a bit sus, right? Right, yeah. It was sitting at the end of Nat's track with a guy with binoculars. Bit sus. A fellow with binoculars, that's definitely bit sus. sus. So, Posty Chip goes up. And, like, next house, whatever, asks us to use the phone and calls the cops. As yeah. you do. In that time, she saw Natalie go up the track by herself and then saw Suster go up after her. So she saw the perpetrator. That's a huge break. Huge break. Unfortunately, cops come, take the details of the car, blah, 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 get called away before, like to a different call, Yeah. before they could talk to the guy. Bad luck. That's extremely bad. Extremely luck. bad luck for Natalie. Mm. Um, where was I? Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, took the details. Had a kind of yeah. So investigations into the walkway afterwards, mm. but after they find Natalie's body and everything that night, mm. reveals that there's actually three holes in the fence. Yeah. And so, um, the perpetrator had made these three holes in the fence and mm. and and whatnot. And they know that because each hole was cut with the same tools. They did tool mark analysis on yeah. it and determined that the tool marks on the ends of the wire were the same all the way. Um, That's really amazing and clever that oh, they can so cool. work that out. Yeah, well, because like when, analysis. A, when a tool is made, right, mm. you get what's called class characteristics, and mm -hmm. that is... You can tell, normally, you can tell what kind of tool it is, like whether it's pliers or like needle nose pliers or, or bull nose pliers or jewellery pliers or whatever. Normally, you can tell that just by the the marks that they make yeah. or wire snips, tin snips, that kind of thing, because tools make different marks. Mm. But then you get into the individual characteristics, and that is what makes a tool unique because they're, tool, they're marks that are created from the use of the tool. Yeah. And that use is unique to each tool. Yeah. So like you'll a have fingerprint. Kinda, yeah. And 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 it is like a fingerprint for a tool. So you've got like like with your hands going on the fingerprint mark, you've got mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, okay, that's that's a thumbprint, mm -hmm. but because of the unique worlds, that's a thumbprint that belongs to Sil. Yeah. So, um it's a it's a very cool science. Mm -hmm. It's kinda like ballistics, but for tools. <laughs> it's, it's so cool. And you get to use cool microscopes. And... That's awesome. Anyhow. <laughs> I'll get back to where I'm going. Okay. One hole had blood. Mm -hmm. And that was the hole that Natalie got pulled through. Um, And the skin and hair on Natalie's body did mm -hmm. not belong to her. So that was the DNA evidence they were talking about. There was skin um, under her fingernails yeah, and hair in her clothes and stuff like that. Um, so the registration details to the yellow Corona came in very handy mm. because the VIN number go went back to Paul Charles Denya. Paul Charles Denya. Denya was born on the 14th of April, 1972. 
which is our son's birthday. Yes. <laughs> Dakota is born on the 14th of April. Not 1972. Not 1972. <laughs> I wasn't even born in 1972. I was born I'm... another 10 years later, okay? Yes. Um, to immigrant parents, Anthony and Maureen Denyer in Campbelltown. Um, relocate, they relocated to Melbourne in 1981. They moved around a little bit. They moved to, I think, Adelaide and mm. as well as Melbourne. So they did a bit of moving around and that led to some difficulty fitting in for their children. And um, weight gain for Paul. I'm just going to call him Denya because he doesn't deserve a first name. Um, Fair enough. Uh, to Denya. And it led to self-confidence issues and problems with his studies. At age 11, he slashed his sister's teddy bear and slashed the family cat's throat and hung it up a tree. Oh. Because that's what normal teenage boys do. That's showing some... That's shocking, and that's showing some very worrying signs. It's one of the the trifactors of... um, Serial killers. Mm. Um, there's bedwetting, arson, and animal abuse. Yes. I don't know about the bedwetting. It doesn't say nothing about that. Um, but, um, and I don't know if he got hit in the head, which is another big sign too. Yeah. Um, so at age 13, he was arrested and cautioned for stealing a car. At age 15, he assaulted a, pr- a student. Where are we, I'm sorry, where are his parents? Yeah, what are his parents doing during all this time? Mm. So after school, he had problems holding down jobs. He was fired seven times and failed the Victoria Police physical. Victoria Police. Yes. Okay. He wanted to be a policeman. That's ironic. Very. Hmm. So, they went... Sorry. Sorry, go. If he had managed to get into the... Police force could it have been sort of like a um, oh, the first example that comes to mind a, a what if hypotheticals in history like if um, if Hitler had been accepted into the uh, into the academy as an artist in Vienna oh yeah there's always have been yeah there's always those what ifs of course yeah yeah give us a sec got to turn off the camera and turn it back on because otherwise it'll turn itself off mm-hmm eh. and do you want a top up silk? Eh. No, I'm good. Okay. Okay. No problem. So I just thought I'd take the advantage to do that now, so I wasn't worried about it. Of course. Okay, so Daniel, he um, was very chatty mm-hmm. after some initial denials. Like, he denied it to begin with, and then it came out that um, he was in the area and mm-hmm. at the time of the murders and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then, um, then the cops asked for DNA. And he realised that they had DNA evidence of some sort. Mm-hmm. And so he was just like, yep, I did it. Over here. Yep. Did it. Jigsaw. He also had um, cuts and scratches on his hands, which they believe Natalie gave him. Mm-hmm. And they questioned him about that and stuff like that. And so he's just like, yep, I did it. I did it. Whoop. Here. Put my hands up. I did it. Yep. Me. Me. Um, which is actually quite unusual for a crim. That is. A criminal to do, especially a serial killer. Yeah, normally they tend to hold out for a well, lot no, longer. Well, they than normally that. do the Ted Bundy thing and and like, no, I didn't do it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he was very cooperative. They took him on walkthroughs um, of the um, 
scenes and what he yeah. did at the scenes. And he... Guided tour. Pretty much, yeah. And they were saying um, they couldn't find Deborah's Deborah Freem's wallet. Mm-hmm. Her purse. And he's like, I know where it is. I'll take you to it. And so he took him to it. And he did this weird thing. Like, he was, like, desperately trying to find this purse. Like... And, he, and, the, and the cops are like, it's okay, it's, it's cool, we'll get like metal detectors out here and shit. And he's just like, no, no, I, I did it right here. And he was like desperate to show them that he did it. And that... Um, was it an ego? He knew where it was. And, it, and it's like, you have to believe me. You have to believe me that I did these crimes. Kind of yeah. Thing. And I, I don't know what it was, but it was just really weird. Okay, that's, yeah. Like super duper weird. Like Paul Denyer is a, a, a classic, what the fuck? Mm person, right? Yeah. And it gets worse. I not worse. It's not worse. It's it gets differenter. It gets more unusual. Yes. Okay. Okay. So um Daniel was charged with the three counts mm-hmm. of murder and one count of abduction. Although technically should have been done for three counts of abduction, but got done for one. Got done for one. Pled guilty um, was diagnosed with sadistic personality disorder due to the lack of emotions, single-minded desire to kill, and the unusual randomness of the victim selection. Like, because he it didn't... does seem he, random. Well, he didn't know these people. They are classic stranger abductions. Excuse me. And, and killings. He didn't know them from start. They mm. didn't know each other. The, the age range was quite, um... Quite narrow, but also quite broad in the fact that there were two teenagers plus a, a mid-twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you factor in the other two crimes, the, the break-in yeah. at Donovan's... Oh, I forgot to tell you. When he was arrested, he was living next door to Donovan and her sister with, oh. with his girlfriend. Um, so, yeah. That, read about it. That, that was kind of funny. Um, but he admitted to it and, and admitted to the, the break-ins and all that. So, um, Melbourne Supreme Court doled out three consecutive life sentences. So, so normally in Australia, you get done with concurrent sentences. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you serve them at the same time. Yes. He got done with consecutive um, with a non-parole period. But he lodged an appeal in 1994 and got granted a non-parole period of 30 years, which is in 2023. Yes. Doubt he'll be able to be a letter. Although, although... Here's the funny bit. 2004. Have to change pronouns. Because Denya started identifying as a woman. Okay. Paula, Paula Denya. In prison. And she would, and now I will change her pronoun, because she now identifies as a woman, but she committed the crimes as a man. Yes. Okay? So I will now change the pronouns that I use in regards to Dania. Okay. Okay, so she claims that she had gender dysmorphia. Yeah. Uh, No, dysphoria. Not dysmorphia, dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Which led to her murdering the women. Right. That she didn't hate women, she hated that she wasn't a woman. Okay, but that does not. There are plenty of people you. that have this and do not murder people. Yes. Same as I said last night, the uh, last last week with Kathleen Folbrick. 
plenty of people have problems having babies and ha and dealing with parenting doesn't give you an excuse to kill people. That's right. Um, in my personal opinion, I don't really think there is an excuse to kill people. Just me. Personally. Not all of them go to the extreme. Except pedophiles. Yeah. Pedophiles, I will kill myself. Um, so Daniel began wearing women's clothing and using makeup and stuff in prison against regulations and, and prison orders and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Even she even got assessed for a reassignment surgery. Yes. Um, but um, she was rejected at this point in time. Um, it it seems like there's a little bit of doubt over her being genuine about it. Okay. And serious about it, and there is quite a physical risk to having any surgery, mm. but there is a genuine physical risk to having gender reassignment surgery. Yes. Um, so she was rejected. They have to make sure that she's absolutely serious due to the personal risk that is involved. Certainly. And also, it's going to cost the government a butt ton of money. That's right. For her to have gender reassignment surgery. Um, so she's not legally um, a, a woman at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but she chooses to identify as a woman. So that is why we are changing the pronouns. Indeed. Um, so one of the victim's mother says it's a stunt and it makes her and her husband sick. Mm -hmm. Not, um, not the fact that she's, uh, there are people that are transgender and, or anything like that, but the fact that they believe that Paula is using this as an excuse or a stunt to keep her name in the papers and stuff like that, mm -hmm. or to make life a bit difficult, you know, like, like prisoners do a lot of the times. Yeah. They, they like attention. They like doing this, especially serial killers. Yeah. Like a shit step. Yeah. Look at Bundy. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm really on Bundy at the moment. You really are. I've been reading his autobiography yes. again. <laughs> um... Bundy is a classic case of egomaniac. Mm. Um, so Paula Denyer now resides in Port Phillip Prison, um, male population, but ha um, has female tendencies and, and stuff like that. So I did not know. I must have missed it completely in 2004, which doesn't really surprise me. I was a bit, bit fucked up back then um, about this gender reassignment crap. Mm. Because, well, it's not crap, but like in general, but I do have my doubts about Paula Danielle. Mm. I won't stop her from being a woman or anything. And as I said, I'll use her pronouns. But That's what it is, it does have hallmarks of a stunt. Of a stunt or of a trying to fiddle the justice system or something mm. like that, you know? Like, I'm just not sure. Like I've I have I've 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 quite a few friends of alternative lifestyles, drag queens, transgender. We both do. Indeed we do. Um pansexual, gender fluid, and it, there's just something that about this that just doesn't feel right. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I was originally gonna ask, um, especially if it's against regulations and whatnot, which um she ended up uh where where she found the uh the, the makeup. Oh, you can and make lipstick. it in jail. Oh, of course. In. Yeah. Like, you know, the whole mother is a necessity, a necessity is a mother invention. Yes. It's like amplified in prison, dude. In classes like, and on your downtime. Dude, prisoners could give MacGyver some lessons, okay? Mm. And I love MacGyver. Hail MacGyver. 
But <laughs> they could give him some lessons, man. I've seen some crap on these prison shows, and I'm just like, what? Oh, the Mythbusters episode. Yes. I, I'm a science geek. You can and will get over it. Um, <laughs> there's the Pepper Crossbow episode. The, um, Adam goes to one of the prisons in San Francisco, mm. and they show him all these things that they make ships out of. Mm. And it's insane. And these paper crossbows, they can work. Yes. It's mad. It's amazing what some of these constructions mm. that you think would not have a chance in hell of working, uh, how they can and do. Yeah. yeah. And on the Mythbusters segue, RIP Grant, mm-hmm. I met you. You're amazing. I love you all. But we're very sad to see Grant, Grant go. Um, but back to the matter. Have you been able to find out anything about, um, Paula's, uh, Paula Denia's being in male population in, um, I guess it would be what, gen, male gen pop? Yeah, she'd been, she'd been. prison. Oh, well, she didn't, they didn't say anything about wh- where she was, but they didn't say that she wasn't in... They just said that she was in Port Phillip Prison. Um, what would her day-to-day existence be? Because I'm guessing that... I'm assuming that there would not be a whole lot of uh, wokeness amongst her fellow inmates. Uh, I don't know about inmates. Um, I don't know a lot about prison. Never been myself. I have been on tours, but that's about it. You don't really meet any of the population or anything. But um, I don't know a lot about it. I only know what I see from the movies. But apparently ladyboys are a thing. Yes, there are different uh, uh, opinions and, um, and and discourses around sexuality in, in, in prison and, and the hierarchy. I mean, yeah, it's... Well, as a rule, it tends to be um, an all-male all or an all-female environment. But you do have instances like with, with Paula Daniel. Yeah, well, technically, legally, she is a male. Yes. Um, so that's what makes just it... Just identifyingly, she's not. A more nuanced? It's it's definitely... Uh, it's, it's a thing. It's all sorts of angles to it. All I know is what I've heard and I've, I've read. I believe there's still a lot of um, homophobia and resistance to... Different sort I don't. Of I don't think it'd be easy, lifestyle. but I'm not giving her any sympathy. No, I'm. She. She ended up killing three people. I know. I'm. Just, just be interested to know what. What that experience is like for her post. Yeah, right. To her. <laughs> <laughs> post her sentencing, dude. Well, I am putting a free for all out there. If if people want to write us an email. Or, or write us even a letter if you are a, a, a convict or, or know them or something like that. Write to us. And if we are wrong in anything, please correct us. Please let us know. Um, but, yeah, he um, Paul Daniel was quite... I, I've always been a little bit fascinated with him. Mm-hmm. Not, not because of him, per se... And I'm saying him because this was back when he yes, was identified I as a male. Yes, I noticed you switched pronouns. That 
profile of him was mighty close. Mm. Yeah, he didn't live alone though. He did live with his girlfriend, but he he was unemployed. He lived in the area. Mm-hmm. It was the age group. So yeah, that was that was that. This case is what got me interested in profiling, mm. and I think it's so darn cool. Damn straight. Yeah, I I, I did a trimester of um, profiling at uni, and I thought it was so fun. Wicked creepy, but fun. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely sounds like up sounds up your alley. Oh, like definitely your interest. <laughs> definitely. All right. So only three years left until until his non parole period is over. That does not mean until her non parole period is over. Oh. That does not mean that she will get parole. Sorry, I got my pronouns confused there because she was sentenced as a male. Yes. <laughs> So, it got, I, got, I got a little confused. Sorry there. Um, so, yeah, she has three years of her non-parole period. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does not mean that she will get parole. Yes. Um, her sentence is three consecutive life sentences. That's it. Um, it's just they thought it was unfair not to have her have any hope. Mm. So, they gave her a hope. But I doubt she will be let out. She is a a danger to society. Yes. Um, and from the sounds of it, she has not been actively in... She has, in a way. She has discovered that this is how she feels about herself and that, and she has improved that. But I, I haven't read anything about her improving her... Like, Matthew DeGrucci. Mm. Right, killed three of his family members in a mass murder, but he made efforts to make his life better. Yes, before he got out. The self improvement. Um, so there was that self improvement of, it, as I said in that episode, it doesn't sound like much, but having a bank account, having a Medicare card, having your um, tax file number, mm. all that. He got that done in prison. That is not easy. No. Um. And he had a definite time that he would be released. So for him to have that um, gumption, I suppose, to try and get his life together and try to be rehabilitated. Um, And I said it in that episode, if he can prove that he's rehabilitated and and blend back into society, more power to him. Mm. I don't see that kind of attitude coming from Paula Daniel. What I see is... Uh, spotlighting and showboating, showboating, and all that kind of thing. Another difference between Matthew De Grucci and um, Paula Denya is Matthew has never spoken about it mm. at all. Won't speak about the murders at all. Never has. Probably never will. Yeah. Um. So he didn't have that spotlighting and showboating and stuff that Paula Denya is. So, so I really don't know. I don't think she's going to be released. Um, but you never know. The justice system can be fucking stupid sometimes. Damn straight. Like, seriously fucking stupid sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the literature like about, uh, about Denya? Are there, uh, have there been any biographies or documentaries? Or? There's, um, K- there's, um, Forensic Files episode of him. Um, there's... 
Case Files episodes of him. Mm-hmm. Um, the forensic forensic investigators. Sorry, not forensic files. Forensic yeah. investigators. That is a really good one, actually. Um, there's also lots of articles and stuff like that. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, I think Paul Kidd has Paul B. Kidd, my favorite crime author. Mm-hmm. He's I think good. I think he's written about him. Um, I would have to go back through my books and have yeah. a look, but I'm fairly sure he's written about him too. Okay. Um, he is quite a, um, what, what the other podcast, crime podcast would say. He is quite a heavy hitter mm. in, um, Australian crime, especially being a serial killer. Yes. He's one of our more prolific serial killers. Um, and he, um, there is a lot about him. There isn't so much a, a lot about since she has become a woman, um, but there is a lot about Paul Daniel. Yeah. Um, so there is a lot, quite a bit of literature about him, but it just doesn't seem to go into the details of sometimes what we ask questions about. Yeah. Um, it's more details of um, the crimes and that, which is great, like, um, Elizabeth, Deborah, and Natalie deserve much more recognition than Paul ever has, Mm. um, but unfortunately doesn't go into, like, the nitty-gritty that we like to talk about. So, it's illuminating in some aspects, but it's scant in other aspects. Yeah. 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 So, that's Paul Adenia. One of the more interesting characters in Australian true crime. Definitely. With a fascinating um, gender-based and identity-based twist mm-hmm. at the end in the post-crimes, post-sentencing incarceration period. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will say it's a very interesting defence. Mm. I, I, I have not heard that defence before. So I will say that's a very interesting defence. Next week, we are going to have another request um, from a friend of ours. <laughs> Cause, yeah. Which friend is this? Tammy. Lovely. Yeah. And so um, we're going to do her request. She requested Carl Williams, who is a underground gang kingpin. Yes. In our Melbourne gangland wars. In the late, late 90s. Mm-hmm. Early two thousands, yes, because that was a fun time. Yeah, I referenced him very, very early on in this, this episode. Did I? No, no, I, I oh, did, did when I mentioned my prior knowledge of oh, the subject. Oh, you yeah. did too. Yeah, yeah. I look yeah. forward to it. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. We're gonna upload this and then go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, maybe I did this or maybe have another drinky poo. Oh yeah, Dad. Definitely. Definitely. Sorry, I'm speaking like I'm texting. <laughs> <laughs> millennial issues. Yes. Although I'm not a millennial, I'm a zennial. And it's also a Saturday morning Australian time. Yeah, it is quarter past 12 mm-hmm. Saturday morning. Yeah. And this will be up in probably about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping my computer behaves and I can get it up. Yes. Because we were running late today. Indeed. So. But everyone has days like that, I'm sure. Definitely. Yeah. 
All right, Metaphines, we will see you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.